0: Okay, hello everybody! Hi Dave! (laughs) Welcome to Stand Up Tragedy. My name's Dave, as few of you already know it seems, Uh, and I'm your host. Uh, What we do at Stand Up Tragedy is we stand up and we do tragedy. We invite uh, art, create, creative people from all parts of the arts to come up on our stage and stand up and do tragedy, which means that everybody should expect some sad things today as well as some maybe some laughs. We'd like people to cry until they laugh and laugh until they cry, but we can expect tragedy in this room today. So, yes, uh, that's the content note done, that's the introduction done. I'm rattling through my list of sad men. Uh, the other shows we've got happening at The fringe this year, we've got Getting Better Acquainted happening on Tuesdays at 7.30 at the Banshee Labyrinth. That's our day off from our main show, which happens there on the rest of the days, up to the 30th. We've got my solo show, What About the Men? Mansplaining Masculinity at 12.05 every day at the Cabaret Voltaire uh, and we've got some really great uh, lineups for this friends we've got some guest hosts as well uh, our, ne- our first our next guest hosted show is tragedy fails better with Paula Barjack and Dan Simpson on Saturday and then on Monday we have guest host Samantha Mann and I am really looking forward to that show but I won't be here because it's my night off so yes that's what we're doing in, in, here in the Fringe this year. We're part of the PBH Free Fringe, which means that you get to come in for free, but when you leave, you might want to give us some money. Although, today, we have quite a small audience, and some of them are performers. We don't expect the performers to pay to play. So please don't do that. Uh, yes, so yes, that is basically... Oh, and uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I would lay on some stick now here about how it's a tragic time in this, in this, in this uh, country at the moment. We've got hard times financially, which means we should support the arts financially where possible and I would also lay on some stick about how I'm having a hard time financially and you should support me directly because it's hard being someone trying to make money from my art but uh yes again small audience but the good thing about Stand Up Tragedy is that we are also a podcast as well as a live show so we are currently playing to one of the largest audiences on the fringe there's like over hundreds of people who listen to this show if you're a listener to this show and you want to tweet about this show and tell people about it that would be incredibly helpful because today we have a small audience and we deserve as I'm sure you regular listeners will agree a bigger one so tell people about what we're doing so yes we're on Facebook we're on Twitter we hashtag tragic moments And now I'm going to bring up our first performer of the evening. She is on at 4.15 at Just The Tonics at The Cave um, um, up until the 31st of August doing a show called Bridie Lee Kennedy Loves You Too. I saw it. I loved it. Loved it so much I'm probably going to see it again. So everybody should definitely go and see that. Particularly listeners, tell people about that show after you hear her set. So everybody put your hands together for Bridie Lee
1: Kennedy! There we go. Um, I will just, before I tell you a small story, I will just address the elephant in the room, which is that this looks disgusting. (laughs) I am aware of that. I've been sick since the day I got to Edinburgh, and I've resorted to just cramming a water bottle full of ginger and lemon and, like, hoping for the best. Um, But I am aware that it looks as though I'm slowly poisoning myself. Um, or, as Jos Norris just said, like, I've been sick in the bottle. So um, let's just get that out of the way. It tastes better than it looks. Um, uh, so, yes, I'm going to just tell you a, a story now. Um, uh, and this, I will say that everything in this story is true. And it does form part of the show uh, that I'm doing this year. So uh, my ex fiance got married in December. And I felt, so, he's a... so I knew that he was going to marry someone else for, for a while. Um, I actually found out that he was engaged more than a year ago uh, under very inauspicious circumstances. I was getting ready to go on stage uh, and um, I was just in the bathrooms backstage and I got a text and I checked it. And it was from uh, my friend Christopher and it just said, "Brady, he's marrying that teacher. I thought you should know. No need to tell me who he was referencing. But I knew that he'd marry someone else for longer than that, too. Um, I'd been living in London for 15 full months when uh, my parents suggested that we all go on holiday together to the south of France. Now, I'm from Sydney, so 15 months in London is 15 months without sunlight, Uh, it's 15 months without beaches, 15 months without basic human happiness. Uh, And so after nine months, I'd become convinced I would die. After 11 months, I told my parents that. So after 15 months, they paid for me to fly to the south of France to see them, Uh, and it helped. Um, Now, I had hoped that we'd be living near a beach uh, because I really missed swimming, Uh, but we weren't. We were hundreds of miles inland, um, but luckily, the local council had built this big, man-made lake. And so we used to go down there every day, and it was the most French thing that I have ever seen. It was like the entire town was in a Jacques Tati tribute act, and we just like, hadn't been informed. Uh, so we would go down, and the locals would sit on the fake beach, smoking, uh, while their kids floated in the water on Dalmatian print lilos. Always Dalmatian print, I have no idea why. Uh, and they would throw balls back and forth to each other, emblazoned with Carrefour. Uh, there was a lifeguard who I'm convinced to this day could not swim. Um, He just sat at the top of his lifeguard tower with his headphones in and his shirt off. And his pecs were good enough that I'd believe he was purely ornamental. Um, So it didn't feel like home. But the water was cool, and the air was warm, and there was pecs. So you know, it was fine. (laughs) I could make do with that. Uh, Now, this is the point in the story where I do have to brag a little bit. I do need to tell you that I am a very strong swimmer. Uh, the greatest athletic achievement of my life is winning the state under 14 butterfly championships. Thank you. You would be amazed how often that does not get any response at all. Uh, I do think that it's partly because a lot of people don't think that butterfly is a real stroke. Um, which is fair. It is probably the least efficient way of moving through water short of actually drowning. Uh, but they do give you medals for it, and I got one. Um, I also did surf lifesaving training growing up because we lived near some quite dangerous beaches, and my parents were apparently too busy to monitor me in the water. Uh, so they just paid strangers to teach me how not to die. Um, but basically what I'm saying is I felt pretty confident about swimming in a calm, shallow lake in the middle of the French countryside. So after a couple of days of going down and just sort of paddling, I decided to uh, go for a real proper swim. So I ducked under the barrier that kept the kids' area in, in the shallow part of the lake, and I took off. And I swam through the murky water, and all of the muscles that I hadn't used the whole time I'd lived in London just came alive. And I felt more myself and, and stronger than I had in more than a year. And so I just powered through the murky water, head down, breathing off to the side, just feeling incredible. And then... An alarm went off. And the alarm sounded like this. Whee! Whee! Now, if you were in Australia at a beach and you hear that alarm, it means one thing. Shark, everyone out of the water. So I looked up and I was like checking around to see if there was a telltale fin anywhere. And then I realized that I was in a man-made lake hundreds of miles inland. And if there were sharks in the water, It was the result of gross human error at best, and at worst, attempted murder by the council. Um, So I looked around to see what else could be causing the commotion. There was nothing going on in the kids' area, and there was no one behind me. I could see the lifeguard on shore down from his tower of apathy, just like gesturing like this. And that's when I realized it was me. I was why he'd set off the alarm because actually that roped off bit wasn't just for kids it was the only part of the lake that anyone was supposed to swim in presumably because the lifeguard could not be bothered monitoring the rest of the lake Uh, he was certainly not making any attempts to come in and rescue me from my mortal peril Um, so I started to swim back to shore just humiliated and even more embarrassed when I realised that all the locals were yelling and I thought god they are yelling at me this is terrible I could never come back to this lake and then I realised that they weren't yelling at me They were yelling at him, our bronzed, useless overlord. Um, I couldn't totally make out what they were saying, but there was a lot of "Australia" flying around. And then as I got out of the water, to wild applause, which is really something to hear when you're in a bikini, I saw an old man at the back of the crowd just raise his arm and yell, LIBERTY! And I totally got the revolution thing because it does sound cooler in French. Uh, So I headed back to my towel, dried off, took out my phone to write a triumphant Facebook status because why else do we do anything? And uh, when I opened the app, I saw it. A photo of my ex-fiance and his new girlfriend. And they were standing in front of a sold sign on a terraced house in Sydney, in my favorite part of Sydney, the part where he and I had lived together. So I already knew they owned property And actually, he and I weren't even Facebook friends by this point. But 64 of our mutual friends had liked it. So Facebook decided to give me a heads up. (laughs) Thank you. Um, But I knew he'd marry someone else for longer than that, too. Um, A couple of years previous, I was in the middle of four months of solo travel around the world. I've never read Eat, Pray, Love, but I'm told that it was nothing like that. Uh, I'd been in Iceland for a few days, and I just spent the afternoon horse riding. And I was sore and bitten to shit because when the horse riding instructor had asked so who here thinks that they're a good horse rider I'd raised my hand never raise your hand if you were asked that question because they will give you the horse that they describe as spirited and that horse will try to kill you over the course of the few hours Um, so I got back to the hostel and all I wanted to do is have a shower just sort of wash it all off and I headed into the shower room Now, as I said, I'd been in Iceland for a few days, so I was aware of the fact that a lot of showers in Iceland are communal. There's just a room and there's a few different shower heads around, you just go in and everyone stands there and it's all lovely and Nordic. Um, What I did not know was that this particular shower room was co-ed, because everywhere I'd been so far had men and women separated. Uh, So I walked in, the room was empty, and I stripped off and went under a shower head. And as I was showering, four tall, seemingly identical Swedish men entered, cheerily said hello, and then took the showers on either side of me. And they continued to chat to each other in Swedish, pausing only when one of them asked to borrow my shampoo. So I handed it to him wordlessly, wondering if I had in fact fallen off the horse and died over the course of the afternoon and if this was my reward in heaven. Um, After they left, I grabbed my towel and I ran back to my hostel room and I opened my laptop, getting ready to send Christopher an email to tell him that I had just lived out his literal fantasy. And I saw an email from Dave, our old housemate. And it had clearly been sent after a lot of beer had been consumed because it was riddled with typos. And it said, B, I was forced to dine with Adam's new thing tonight. Still love you best, though. End of transmission. So I knew that she was meeting our friends. But if I'm totally honest, I knew that he'd marry someone else for longer than that, too. Because six years ago, I sat on the floor and I held onto his ankle and I begged him not to leave me. And as I begged, I said, but you know I want to marry you. And he looked at me then, really looked at me for the first time in weeks. We were so, so young when this happened. But when I think about that look now, I imagine him old, ancient with a face like weathered rock that I'd beaten against every day for three years and had finally worn away. And he said, no, Braddy, you don't want to marry me. That's our whole problem. And so I knew then, and I've known every day since then that eventually, he would marry someone else. And also that he should. So when my ex fiance got married in December, I felt fine. Facebook tells me it was a beautiful ceremony. Thank you so much for having me. Have a lovely night. <laughs> Righty Lee Kennedy, everybody.
0: Okay, our next performer, uh, we normally keep him in a kind of box at the back of the stage, but tonight he's, he's coming forward to the front of the stage for the first time in a while. Uh, we always let you out in Edinburgh, really, don't we? We end up letting you out in Edinburgh. So put your hands together, everybody, for... Ha!
2: Woo! Hello. I'm going to play and sing a couple of songs. First one's about um, sort of falling into old habits um, and uh, kind of waking up six months later realising that you've quit your job and taken out a load of payday loans. It goes a bit like this. (laughs) We play... These games Over and over This power play Ends in the same way You win I lose See my face in this filthy mirror And stick in pens To check that I still awake, and I know now that this mistake could cost me years of wasted effort, but it all comes back when I feel it hit. And this time I don't really care Just this one line I promise you And it feels like home Dear God, I've missed this But I've been there once and I'm not going back Left me broken, it almost took me I wake, it's late Not much old of a six grand poor I go outside To buy some fags, my cards decline No cash, no job Just bailiff's bills and threatening letters But just in time to stop this happening again i know now that this mistake has cost me years of wasted effort but it all comes back when i feel it hit and this time i don't seem to care just this one line i miss you, and it feels like home. And dear God, I've missed this. But I've been there once, and I'm not going back. It left me broken; it almost took me. And this next one's
3: <laughs> uh,
2: this next one's about um, sort of running away from like uh, where you live and kind of your previous life and stuff. Nothing special, nothing's changed. We always turned out this way. Give me time so I can start again. Sever the strings that bind the blame to me I remember better times As I recall once I smiled inside But now and then we blurred the lines Sever the strings that bind the blame That bind the blame to me Time and time again I've fought This vicious circle in which I'm caught And I'd accept that it's all my fault Sever the strings to bind the blame to me This time I'm going, this time I'll slip away Keep your distance, turn away If I come back again someday It won't be for this and it won't be that way Sever the strings to bind the blame to me
0: Sever the strings that bind the blame to me. Thank you. Thank you. I love everybody. <laughs> Who uh, he doesn't just do our sound. He also does the sound for the entire Free PBH Free Fringe Festival. So he is like. An amazing uh, person for that, you know. That's just like, that's a Herculean task. Uh, People don't realize how much goes into this sort of stuff. And he does a lot of that stuff. So another round of applause, I think, for half Okay. So our next performer, uh, performers this time are called Next Best Thing. They do sketch comedy. They're doing a sketch comedy show called Never Been Better at five o'clock at uh, Opium, uh, from now until the 29th, Apart from on the nineteenth, put your hands together for Next Best Thing. <laughs> <laughs> like bit of uh-huh. intros.
4: Yep. Hello. 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 Great. Hi, we're The Next Best Thing. Uh, We do sketch comedy. Our show is called Never Been Better. It's about characters who are showing just like how well they're doing and how we are doing as society. For example, one thing that we're doing better in is parenting and this sketch demonstrates that. Uh, Where do you think you're going dressed like that? Syria.
1: you doing really well. There we go.
4: Getting better. (laughs) Simon. Angela. Hi. 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 How are you? Oh, my God, so good. How are you? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's just, um, yeah, no, yeah, um, yeah, you, me, what? No. Yeah, no, I've, um, I've never been better Cool, actually. cool yeah. so, so what are you her, What are you doing here? Zavirac Same See, so you would have guessed that Because you I gave you herpes yeah. 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 yeah Well this pharmacist Is like right next to my therapist so Convenient yeah. Yeah. yeah God you look great So do you Have you Cut your Hair? Okay. Yes cool. You noticed yes. Yeah, yes, no, yes, I, yeah, I cut it all off When you left me <laughs> I thought you might Went a bit <laughs> oh, Predictable yeah. You did fuck my nan I did so um, how are you anyway apart from the um, herpes herpes, yeah. yeah I lost my job I was just going to ask whether you'd fucked up your career yet. Yes, yes I did, Simon. I know. We see. I tried to bang Laura. <laughs> oh my god, when was that? About six months ago. Like just after I got back from our honeymoon. Would have been. Right? Yeah. Well, that was yeah. never going to work because no. she's your. She's my boss, boss and my sister. sister. Yeah. yeah. It's like she's got a pretty serious foot, foot fetish, fetish yeah. and you've got. <laughs> I've got athlete's, athletes first. foot. Yeah. <laughs> How is that, by the way? Better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I only tried it on because she gave in a couple of times. We were pissed. You twat. <laughs> I wore socks. When was that? About a year ago. Right, just after you proposed. Yeah. 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 I mean. At At the end of the day, I am jobless, penniless. I should have seen it coming. Sorry, it's just really weird when you bump into someone in the street knowing you've had your little finger up their bum. (laughs) Memories. God, you look great. So do you. So are you seeing anyone? Yes, I am, yeah. I am also seeing someone. Oh, cool, you are, Because you are seeing someone. Yeah, I'm seeing someone too. you're seeing someone. Cool, do I know them? No, but I do. Good. (laughs) Are you seeing my sister? No, no, no. Are you seeing my nan? No. Good. I thought she was. Yep, she's safe from you now. Cool. So you've moved on, I've moved on. We should double date. That sounds awful, but okay. (laughs) Okay. I've got to to go. This is burning. Oh. Oh, we're stuck. We're stuck. We're not used to microphones. God. Dragons. Let us introduce ourselves. My name is Sheila and this is Annabelle. We are the co-managing directors, CEOs, head designers and daily administrators of our company, Customer Design Things on jewelry.com. For those more astute dragons, sorry Duncan, you'll be thinking .com. Isn't that a website? And you'd be right. It is. We've come to you today to ask for £500,000 in return for a 4% share in our company, Customer, Customer Design, Design Things on, on But what is... Customer design things on Jewelry.com. Well, let us tell you It all started when Annabelle and I met That's right Sheila and I met at our local sexual health clinic When Annabelle and I met Do you want to know what was the first thing I noticed it about a jewelry. her? jewellery It was a jewellery But there. it wasn't jewellery What I thought was a rather kitsch brooch Actually turned out to be It was my nephew's stickle brick Tightly woven to the end of my hair You see, I hadn't <laughs> noticed It was in fact a child's construction toy Because it was completely gone Covered in jam. Slap it. And I said to Annabelle, I said, that's a lovely brooch you've got there. And at first she was confused. Confused. I was. Because as everyone knows, you, you don't, don't talk to strangers in sexual health clinics. clinics. But also because, to her mind, she wasn't wearing any jewellery. Right. But she was! What Annabelle didn't realise was that she had just invented a new genre in shabby chic body adornment. And that's when <laughs> Customer Design Things on like Jewellery.com was born. Kettles. Bird feeders. <laughs> A loofer. What do these things have in common? They're all symbols of female domesticity. They can all be put on jewellery. You can literally make jewellery out of anything. Spoons. Jewellery. Shoe Jewellery. Jewelry. Jewelry. Bonsai. Jewellery until it dies. The idea behind customer design things on jewelry.com is simple. Put jewellery making back in the hands of the people who wear the jewellery. So that they can take it out of their hands and wear it on their bodies. As jewellery. Easy as pie. Jewellery! Now all your friends will see your jewellery and go, Oh, Oh, what's that? You're the envy of everyone! I remember that sneaky little detail from the start of the presentation. Well, we're going to talk about it now. So (laughs) com! Customers sign up at Customer Design Things on jewelry.com and create an online profile which is linked to Facebook, Twitter, Etsy, YouTube, Pinterest, Word, Spotify, iTunes, again, Microsoft, and of course, Friends, Friends Reunited. reunited. <laughs> jewellery wearers then take a photo of anything. The app then uses state of the art technology to turn it into jewellery. Your new jewellery is sent out first class the following day. One box containing the item you photographed will be delivered to your home address. Under your mother's maiden name. The other
1: containing the jewellery you have to find.
4: <laughs> when it arrives at your office the following day under the name of Disgrace Blue Peter presenter Richard Baker. <laughs> Okay, now you're probably sat there thinking, that's an excellent idea, but what do they want to do with my money? We need your money for storage! At this point, we've got a lot of excess stock. Annabelle went a bit cash in the attic last Saturday, so Calvo. Chill right. All right, now, if you want celebrity endorsement, we've got it in buckets. Chill. No, Lorraine Kelly, The Saturdays, Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen, all were Arborsport products. We've removed Lady Gaga's endorsement because, as everyone knows, Chill she'll wear, wear fucking anything. anything. We welcome your questions and we hope secure your support. Chill
2: right!
4: Chill right. <laughs> Thank you very much, we've been Next Best Thing!
0: Next Best Thing everybody! i right. going for this one, looks like it's going to be simpler, right. Some of nice sounds for our podcast listeners there. Right. OK, so our next performer is doing a show called The Boy with the Moomin Tattoo. It's really, really good. I really, really enjoyed it the other day when I saw it. And I'm a Moomin fan. But if you're not a Moomin fan, you will still enjoy it. It's at it's a 3.15 every day at Electric Circus. Uh, he's taking some days off, though. Um, so ha- check out for when they are. And he's up here till the 28th. We have together for James McKay.
3: this isn't part of my show this is generally what I do for a warm up in the street which is why I don't get many people in Uh, and it's suitably tragic on cosmic and personal and everything kind of level so ladies and gentlemen I'd like to perform for you a poem by Mr Edgar Allan Poe called The Raven once Upon a midnight dreary, as I pondered, weak and weary, over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore. As I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, as of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. Tis some visitor, I muttered, rapping at my chamber door. This it is, and nothing more. Ah, distinctly I remember it was in the bleak December and each separate dying ember wrought its shadow on the floor. Eagerly I wished the morrow, vainly had I tried to borrow from my books, surcease of sorrow, sorrow, for the lost Lenore, for the rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore, nameless here forevermore. And the silken, sad, uncertain rustling of each purple curtain thrilled me, filled me with fantastic terrors never felt before till at last, to still the beating of my heart, I stood repeating... "'Tis some visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door, "'some late visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door. "'This it is, and nothing more. "'This it is, and nothing more. "'This it is, and nothing more. "'Presently my soul grew stronger, "'hesitating then no longer. "'Sir,' said I, or madam. Truly your forgiveness, I implore, but the fact is I was napping, and so softly you came tapping, and so gently you came rapping, rapping at my chamber door, that I scarce was sure I heard you here. I opened wide the door. Darkness there, and nothing more. Deep into that darkness peering, long I stood there wandering, fearing, doubting, dreaming dreams no mortal ever dared to dream before. But the stillness was unbroken, and the silence gave no token, and the only word there spoken was the whispered word, Lenore. This I whispered, and the echo muttered back the word, Lenore, merely this and nothing more. Back into the chamber, turning, all my soul within me burning. Once again, I heard a tapping, somewhat louder than before. Surely, said I, surely that is something at my window lattice. Let me see then what thereat is, and this mystery explore. Let my heart be still a moment. And this mystery explore, tis the wind, and nothing more. Open wide, I flung the shutter. When, with many a flirt and flutter, in their stepped, a stately raven of the sainted days of yore. Not the least obeisance made he, Uh, not the minute stopped or stayed he, but with mien of lord or lady perched above my chamber door, perched upon the bust of palace just above my chamber door, perched and sat and nothing more. Now, this ebony bird Beguiling my sad fancy into smiling by the grave and stern demeanour of the countenance it wore, though thy crest be shorn and shaven, thou, said I, art sure no craven, ghastly, grim, and antique raven coming from the nightly shore. Tell me what thy naughtly name is on the light's Plutonian shore, and the bird said, Nevermore! Much I marveled this ungainly fowl to hear discourse so plainly. Though it answer little meaning, little relevancy bore, for we cannot help agreeing that no living human being ever yet was blessed with seeing bird above his chamber door. Bird or beast upon the sculpted bust upon his chamber door with such name as never more. But the raven, sitting lonely on the placid bust, said only that one word as if his soul in that one word he did outpour. Nothing further than he uttered, not a feather then he fluttered, till I scarcely more than muttered, other friends have flown before. On the morrow, he will leave me as my hopes have flown before. And the bird said, never more. Startled at the silence, broken by reply so aptly spoken, doubtless, said I, What it utters is its only stock and store caught from some unhappy master, whom unmerciful disaster followed fast and followed faster till his songs one burden bore, till the dirges of his hope, the melancholy burden bore of never, never more. But the raven, still beguiling all my fancy into smiling, straight I wheeled a cushioned seat in front of bird and bust and door. Back into the velvet sinking, I betook myself to linking fancy unto fancy, thinking what this ominous bird of yore, what this grim, ungainly, ghastly, gaunt and ominous bird of yore, meant by croaking never more, this I sat a while in guessing, but no syllable expressing to the fiend whose fiery eye now burned into my bosom's core. This and more. I sat divining with my head at ease reclining on the cushion's velvet lining with the lamplight gloating o'er but whose velvet violet lining with the lamplight gloating o'er she shall press. (gasps) Never more then methought the air grew denser perfumed by an unseen censer swung by seraphim whose footfalls tinkled on the tofted floor wretch i cried thy god hath sent thee respite by these angels he hath lent thee respite respite and nepenthe from thy memories of lenore quaff Oh, quaff this kind Nepenthe, and forget the lost Lenore. Quoth the raven, never more prophet, said I. Thing of evil, prophet, be you bird or devil, whether tempter sent, or whether tempest tossed thee here ashore, on this desert land unchanted, desolate, yet all undaunted, on this home by horror haunted. Tell me, truly, I implore, is there, is there balm in Gilead? Tell me, tell me, I implore. And the bird said, never more. Yet, said I, thing of evil, prophet, be you bird or devil, by that heaven that bends above us, by that God we both adore, tell this soul with sorrow laden, if within the distant Aden it shall clasp a radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore, clasp a rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore, quoth the raven, nevermore be that word our sign of. Parting bird or fiend, I shrieked up, starting. Get thee back into the night uh, and the night's plutonian shore. Leave no black bloom as a token of that lie thy soul hath spoken. Leave my loneliness unbroken. Quit the bust above my door. Get thy beak from out my heart and get thy form from off my door. Quoth the raven never more. And the raven never quitting still is sitting. Still is sitting on the pallid bust of palace just above my chamber door. And his eye has all the seeming of a demon's that is dreaming, And the lamplight o'er him streaming throws his shadow on the floor. And my soul, from out that shadow that lies floating on the floor, shall be lifted nevermore.
0: Everybody. James Mackay, everybody, cleverly turning the microphone off before giving it to the host. Yes, right. So our last performer of the evening, uh, he is doing a show called Hey Guys. So that's the uh, catchphrase that he should, you should know of his. I'm sure you all do. It's on at two o'clock at Heroes at the Hives from the 13th to the 31st. Not on the 19th. Put your hands together for George Norris
5: phone fell out of my trousers. What are you going to do? Hey, guys. Uh, I mean, catchphrase comedy is as good as dead, but I'm doing my best, do not I? Doing my best. Um, I want to talk today about, uh, I'm just going to tell a series of three or four little mini-stories to try and explain why I think the fringe is a good thing um, in, in general, in its, in its spirit. Uh, the first one, I got invited uh, back to my old school uh, a little while ago to do a class with students on writing comedy. I don't know how to write comedy, right? I've, I've no clue. Um, like the first gig I ever did this was years ago and I was terrible but I I, I, the day I did it I was wearing socks that had Thursday written on them I'd spent my entire teenage years knowing I was going to write or perform and I tried to write plays and I tried to write novels and I tried to be an actor and none of it fit And then I got to uni and I did a gig and I went on stage with socks that had Thursday written on them. And I opened by going, I've got socks with Thursday written on them. And it got a round of applause. And I thought, this is easy. This will do. And that that was how I started. So I don't know how to write stuff. But I went back to do this class and I tried to talk about ideas and where ideas come from and how that's useful. And I did that on the understanding that everybody who'd signed up to this class wanted to write comedy and had, had agreed to do it. Turned out they were all year nines who hadn't been allowed to go on the school trip and then were stuck doing like a series of activities for the week, one of which was me. Uh, so I started by trying to go around and explain where I thought ideas come from and to try and justify some of that. And I who who here wants to write comedy? And nobody... I went. Okay. Well, who, who wants to write in general? Are you guys just up for? You want to do a writing workshop? None of them. And I said, What do you all want to do? And they said they wanted to be architects or, or or join the Marines. And I was like, Okay. Well, I'll I'll just I'll try to reach some middle point where I get you to understand at least what I'm talking about, and maybe it'll be useful, and we'll find something. I don't know. I don't know what uh, Marines think, but um, but I, I did my best. So I said, You know, when you're telling a joke, and people and somebody doesn't laugh, and they all like, yeah okay, you know that feeling that of like oh that that mist, and then most of them just put their heads on their desks, which is a thing that I forgot people do like, it's so rude that students did that. I did that, but um it's like who does that i mean the 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 worst you can do is just sit and be polite and listen for a bit. They put their heads on their desks. it makes you appreciate bad comedy audiences a lot more because it's never as bad as that um so I stood there just for a while, just feeling like I was dying and trying to explain what the creative impulse was to a bunch of people who wanted to be architects, and, and that was horrid, and I was trying to work out, why do I feel this is a valuable feeling, and why is it worth communicating to people? Um, so the other three little vignettes that I want to do, um, my dad is a classical pianist and uh, has never, his entire life has been very formal, he did Oxford, he, he was a organ scholar, Uh, very sort of academic man. And then I went into a career where I sort of throw crisps around and put a toilet seat on my head and wave an invisible dog about. And for a long time, I think he was like, I don't get, I don't understand this. I don't know where it comes from. Uh, And then he came to see, I'm part of a comedy group called Weirdos. He came to see us do a live interpretation of the Steven Spielberg film Hook, uh, in which we threw cream around for ages and just shouted for about three it was really long. And then I went up to him in the interval and I said, are you enjoying it? And he had this weird look that I'd never seen in him before. And he said, I've never seen anything like this before. And that was lovely. And he came to see my first ever Edinburgh show in 2012. It was a midnight show on the wrong side of town. Barely anyone turned up. But he came along and met all the weirdos afterwards, including Matthew Heighton, who does a lot of stand up tragedy stuff. He's a great storyteller and comedian. Uh, and after the show, he'd seen me do this show at midnight, and then he went around everybody, shook their hands, and went, lovely to meet you, John, uh, lovely to meet you, Matt, lovely to meet you guys. Turned to me and went, Joss, ah, and then gave me, a, gave me a hug, and then went, just disappeared, went to his hotel. And I sat down very quiet for a while, and they all carried on talking. And then someone said, are you all right? And I went, I, c- I can't remember the last time my dad hugged me. That hasn't happened, ever. Uh, and then Matthew Heighton said, oh, I don't want to make you feel bad, but he, he hugged me when he met me, which was <laughs> uh, which was great. Um, but I give it now every now and again. So that was that one. My mum, by contrast, uh, hasn't been to see any of my stuff in about two years. Partly through, she's going through a lot and doesn't have much time or much money to be able to come to London and see it. But still, you feel like the the more you move away from your family as you get older and you get invested in a in a career, the more you feel like you you start to question which it is that you gravitate towards. Like I. You start building families out of friends. I had a little family of uh, girls that I was living with for a bit in my flat. Tanya, M-Dog, Little Hen. Lovely girls. Um, They've all gone now to get on with their lives. One of them's moved to Sheffield to be a teacher. Uh, One of them's moved to Kennington to move in with her boyfriend. And one of them's just sick of me trying on her bras to see what I look like. Um, And I look rubbish. I look really rubbish. She pulls them off better than me. But I... uh, So they've all gone... And then my grandma called me up earlier this year, and I always have the same conversation with my grandma. She says, uh, oh, we're sorry that we don't see you very often, but we're happy that you're doing what you want. And I always go, yeah, I know, I must, I must visit soon, I'm sorry. Uh, and this year she got confused, because she's very old, and she used the wrong words. She said, we're sorry that we don't see you very much, but it's what you chose. <laughs> oh. And in a way, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, nobody told me to put a toilet seat on my head, but I do it every day. I do it every day. Um, and the last sort of bit of this puzzle, really, that I'm trying... This isn't a coherent story or or part of my show. It's just me trying to talk directly about the things that are only inferenced in, in the show. Because sometimes it's interesting to try and talk about what you're really meaning when you do something stupid. Um, the last thing, my best friend moved to Vietnam two years ago. And she was one of the main people who encouraged me to believe in what I did. Uh, she moved to Vietnam and I was left with, you know, my mum had moved away. I didn't see my family much. My housemates were all going. And I'm left just with the impulse to try and make sense of the fact that I want to do something silly for a living. I went out as a visitor and we ended up on this island called Korong Rong Samloem in Cambodia in the middle of the night. And I was having a little cry because it's my holiday as well. Um, and she said, she said, what's wrong? And I said, I've never told anybody this, but I wish I was a little ball of light instead of a body. Cause i'd be able to get everything done and i'd never get sad uh, but the problem is existing and she said "Well, what do you mean uh, she said what's made you feel this way and i said no you've missed the point you've completely missed the point point." and she said okay what can we do to help you feel better i said no you've missed the point completely i'm not talking about causes or resolutions that's just how i feel now and i'm trying to express it and the only thing i've ever tried to do i think is to try and find space in my head to imagine things in a way of Clearing out the space in the middle of your head. I think that's all it is. And she said, I don't understand. And then we went swimming. And there's bioluminescence out there. You know, the little uh, planktons that glow. I like them. And then I came back here and did an Edinburgh show where I wear a toilet seat on my head. And weirdly, I feel like every time I do it, it makes sense of all that. Uh, Nobody needs to get it or to know why. But in your head, you're making sense of some space. And... um, You guys have been lovely for listening to me try and address that directly for the first time and work out what it actually means. Uh, So thank you very much. Thanks.
0: Just Norris, everyone. And yeah, he does wear a twinity. It is very silly and weird and kind of melancholy, a little bit like, uh, like you might have got from that from that piece there. And I'm re- that's one of the things that we like to do at Stand Up Tragedy, give performers a space to do something different and to look at the sadder things and the more melancholy things in life. So, that is the kind of end of Stand Up Tragedy. But what I would like to say before you sort of pass through the door, I see some people weren't here earlier on. So, if you weren't here earlier on, you might not know that this is a free show to come into, uh, but if you leave, it's also free to leave, actually. But uh, if you want to give us some money, if you would like to pay what you think the show that you've just seen is worth, uh, please do. And we're not we're not ashamed or embarrassed if it's paper money. We're we're not ashamed or embarrassed. Although I discovered yesterday there's like one pound notes here. So, I mean, you know, it can be paper money and still be a pound. Uh, so, yeah, put whatever you'd like into the hat at the back of the room. Uh, and, uh, yes, thank you for coming. We're a podcast as well. Well, as a live show so you can listen back to this and yes please tell everybody about it uh, and get them to come along we've got a different lineup every night at the fringe some amazing performers on and we'd like some amazing audiences to make them feel warm in this room while they're doing their shows i mean this show does go out to a lot more people than are in this room but it doesn't feel like that when you're on stage so we would like them to have some audiences to create the ambience to make the podcast a brilliant thing and it's a great show i'm sure you'll agree so you should get people to come along to Just for that reason. So yes, thanks very much. Uh, Put some Ed Fringe reviews on if you like. That's a good, apparently, I'm told. And thank you. The tragedy is now over. It's time to go.